0: I am so grateful to each and every one of you joining us here today for our first ever episode of Self Healers Soundboard. I am here with Jenna Weekland. Jenna is someone who has so much wisdom to share with us. Her and I paths crossed very early on my journey on social media when I first created the Instagram account that many of you probably know me through, the holistic psychologist. Um, very early on, I knew Jenna had so much wisdom from her own life, from her own journey to share with each and every one of us. So very quickly, she joined the team and began to help me with all things the Self-Healer Circle. And since then, Jenna has really become an integral part of all of the work that we do here at the Holistic Psychologist. So I thought of no one else better to help me co-host our new podcast here together, the Self-Healer Soundboard. But before we get in to the podcast itself, We have something very, very exciting for each and every one of us out there um, around my new book, How to Do the Work. We thought it would be a great opportunity to offer us all a master class. For those of you who will be reading along with us, um, this is our hopes to help us dive in to what is the work of healing. So, Jenna, tell us a little more about this master class.
1: Well, first, thank you, and hello to everyone listening and everyone watching. It is an honor to be here alongside you on this path, and I am thrilled to kick off the Cell Feeler Soundboard with our masterclass, How to Do the Work. Like Nicole mentioned, we are going to do a masterclass deep dive into this new number one New York Times bestseller. How to do the work, which means that we will do an episode for each chapter of the book, including the preface. So today, this episode, we are going to open up and discuss the preface of the book, Um, We will then do one episode per chapter, like I said, so the next 14 episodes will be a deep dive going into the context of each chapter, the topics, the work, and the tools at the end so we can have more of a conversation back and forth about what it is we're talking about, make it a little more relatable, answer some of your questions along the way, and really kind of bring the book to life and off of the page for you. So you're welcome to read along with us at home if you do have your book, Um, if you are not If you do not have the book, uh, you're also welcome to just use this masterclass as an audible tool for you to dive in and do the work that way through conversation. We know from all of your tags and DMs and messages already that this book has truly started to begin allowing you all to to have access to tools that really you're putting the work into to change and transform your own lives. So as Jenna was saying, there's so much content
0: in each of these books. Um, We thought this would provide us a great opportunity to give practical examples, to share our own aspects of our journeys using these tools. And then like Jenna mentioned, um, for some of our future episodes, We're going to offer each and every one of you the opportunity to call in and to ask some of your own particular questions on your own journey. So this is our way to live and breathe the work with each and every one of you, as many of you are beginning and or continuing your self-healing
1: journeys yourselves. Now, I've opened up the preface of the book, which is titled The Dark Night of the Soul. Let's talk a little bit about this. I know many people have experienced this. A lot of you out there who are reading along with us, a lot of you sharing on Instagram and social media, telling us and sharing with us about your own Dark Night of the Souls or what we're really giving language and a title to as a Dark Night of the Soul. Can you tell us a little bit more about what we're talking about here when we do say Dark Night of the Soul?
0: While the journey is is definitely individual, and I'm sure I will share my journey
1: in a bit and you
0: will share yours, it's quite unique, I think to each and every one of us. However, what a dark night of the soul is, is it becomes an accumulation for many of us of emotional, sometimes even physical symptoms that result from living a lifetime disconnected, disconnected from our authentic self, the needs perhaps of our physical bodies, maybe for some of us, our emotional selves, and others still our spiritual self, with the reality being that so many of us are living, as we like to say, from our autopilot. We're living conditioned habits and patterns that many of us began in childhood, again, created out of our environments, out of experiences that we've lived, um, emotions that for some of us were, were quite painful. However, we begin to repeat these patterns. So some of us, flash forward in time, I know my dark night, the symptoms really began to accumulate as I neared my 30s. Um, So for me, that was 30 years, three decades of living in that state of disconnection. Um, For some of us, it feels like a deep sadness. It could feel like a confusion. I've definitely heard the word numb and numbing used and emotional rock bottom. So like I said, there's a, a uniqueness to this, to how each of us you know, feel or express this dark night, though I think what's important is to acknowledge that it really comes from that disconnection, from all of the ways that we're living in the world day to day that might not be honoring our more authentic core needs, again, of our physical, our emotional, or our spiritual selves. So Jenna, I know you experienced yourself, um, what you might call a dark night of the soul. Can you share a little bit about what yours felt like for you or was like for you?
1: Yeah, I think what's important to for me to remember too is while you're saying some of us feel numb, for me, the dark night of the soul or my dark night of the soul, what I will call it was quite the opposite of numb. It was more of a feeling of complete disheveling pain yeah. in a way. Um, I had just gone back to New York after numerous years of not being there. I seen a lot of family members I hadn't seen. And I, you know, planned to be there for three days and ended up staying almost about two months. This is actually when I found your Instagram split into your DMs. It's <laughs> like, you know, we're, we're doing the same thing. Let's do this together. Um, and it was really for me a time of just complete and utter, I want to say despair in a way, where I was crying endless tears and not really able to catch my breath. And specifically remember I was staying at my twin brother's house in his spare bedroom and just completely collapsed to my knee, grabbed the wall on the way down, it was like, you know, I know that I'm I'm physically okay, but my body does actually feel like it's dying. And I couldn't really wrap my head around what was actually Happening, I just knew something felt like it was completely shattered and breaking open in a way. And I found myself on the floor, on my knees with my hands on the bed, praying and realizing, you know, Jenna, you don't you don't pray. You're not praying to a God. What are you doing? And after some time, I just had my hands against my forehead and realized, oh wow, i'm I'm praying to myself. there is there's a stronger calling or being in me that I know for me, it was a very profound connection of I was speaking to me. And I know it's different for everyone. It's unique to everyone. Like you said, some people's dark night of the soul might cause an extreme numbness. Mine was almost as if I think I was, I'm 34 now, maybe 32, 31 at the time. It was as if I had spent 31 years of life being completely numb and all of it came rushing back to these pain points and physical sensations all at once in an overwhelming way. So for me, particularly, it was the opposite of numb. It was very much a, a dark night of the soul in that sort of theatrical movie, like ugly tears dropping to the floor, holding on mm-hmm. to something super dramatic. And that's actually how it was. That was a true depiction of what it was like for me. And it was, it did actually feel kind of like, you know, you have a shell over your chest that quite literally broke open and just sort of felt like, while I couldn't breathe on the other side of dropping to my knees and sort of praying, I felt like I could actually breathe for the first time. I didn't know what was about to happen. I knew something entirely new was coming and had shifted, but for the first time, I felt like I was at the most bottom of a bottom that I could be that I finally knew that there was a light ahead because there was nowhere further south that I could fall in a way. Um, So if that sounds really intense and really dramatic or you guys are listening or for those of you watching on YouTube, um, you know, if that's aligned and you're like, yeah, me too. Awesome. And if it's not, that's also awesome. You're going to have a very different and unique dark night of the soul that pertains to you. And I know for you, yours was a little bit. A little bit different because this is mine and my journey. Is there? Can you share us a bit about your dark night of the soul? Absolutely, and thank you, Jenna, for sharing yours.
0: It's definitely not lost on me, you know, hearing that you were at home. Just for everyone listening, (laughs) for Jenna, New York is home for her. So definitely not lost on me that you know this kind of eruption, in a sense, came while you were home, because for a lot of us, that is the place, right, where all of these habits and patterns were created. So going home can be that activation point. And I really appreciate you sharing another version um, of what it could look like, because that it does, it is very unique um, for each and every one of us. And I think what's important in both of our stories, at least when we had our Dark Knights of the Soul there was a, at least I'll speak for myself, there was a lack of understanding or knowing for me what the hell was happening. Mm -hmm. I didn't have these terms. I didn't know really what a dark night was. Or if I'd heard it, um, it definitely wasn't anything that I imagined in my own future. So when I was going through it, I think confusion is another word that really comes to the surface for me because I didn't understand um, what was going on. And a lot of my symptoms were confusing. That blankness, that flatness, um, that lack of fulfillment, that dissatisfaction was very much part of mine, that numbness. Um, and it was confusing on another, to another extent, because by that point in my life, I had checked a lot of boxes. I had the, the successful practice in psychology, which for me was what I wanted to be when I grew up for as long as I can remember. I was in a partnership. I was living with my partner at the time in a, in a, happy relationship though nothing was really mapping on to how I felt um, as i like to say I checked all of the boxes yet internally I just felt so unfulfilled everything I imagined i'd feel once I'd arrived in this way really wasn't mapping on to how I felt so again I describe this because I think for a lot of us and we talk about things like the dark mm-hmm. night now because I think a lot of us haven't had that language and it can feel like we're going crazy we're having a nervous breakdown and Some of us maybe even do get mislabeled in that way. If we seek help, you know, we are taught, like told, in some degree that there is something wrong with Mm -hmm. us that we shouldn't be having this crisis of sort. Yet again, from what I see, this death—we are dying in a sense when we are going through our dark night. This conditioned way that for many of us had been serving us for a lifetime is no longer serving us. So from that death, from those ashes, as cliche as that might sound comes a rebirth. So as low, as catastrophic, as destabilizing as these events can be, um, and oftentimes it is multiple events. We don't have a moment of a dark night. Um, For me, it was an accumulation of many moments. Um, And for Jenna, it did feel like a moment in time where things shifted. Her ground became destabilized. And there's every version in between. Yet again, from this death, in my opinion, comes the possibility of rebirth, of reconnection, back to our authentic needs, the needs of the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual self, needs that were present all along, but again, for many of us being ignored or repressed as we continu- continued to live in this very conditioned way.
1: Thank you for that, Nicole. Yeah, its I loved what you mentioned too about um, the piece about going home. Like Nicole mentioned, New York is home for me. I left New York when I was um, 17 or 18 And never really, haven't gone back. I've gone back to visit a little bit here and there. And there were many years in between, probably about a decade, that I just didn't really go back at all. And it was that going back when that dark night of the soul, what I'm calling it now, the dark night of the soul happened for me Was very much a coming home to like the 17-year-old Jenna who had never was very traumatized, had never resolved any of that pain and just fled and created a very beautiful, eclectic life um, in many different places since then. And that dark night for me came when instead of running away and you know, continuing to build all these great things in my life, I started to realize I was building them on a foundation of sand. And I wanted to just go back to the root of things and really kind of rip open the wounds, get into the trenches of it and start from the very bottom. And for me, that was physically returning back to the place that I then realized I had been running away from this whole time. So that dark night of the soul at the time, I didn't call it that. I just, for me, I did I did give it language of an awakening. I knew something for me had shifted, but that's just because of me and, and my journey. And it very much felt like I was meeting 17-year-old Jenna again. And I, in some ways, got to meet her and love her and then put her to rest. And she sort of just burst open. And it was a step forward from there. So I thank you for that. That note about going home. For all of us, home might not be a physical place, too. It doesn't necessarily mean returning to that geographical location, but it is sort of a coming home to who you knew yourself to be as you break open through your dark night of the soul and really get to meet and create who you truly are versus who you thought you were. Yeah, such a beautiful reminder.
0: Um, when we talk about home, we could talk about it you know, in, in two ways. The home that, again, houses all of our conditioned habits and patterns with the goal being to cultivate that home within, um, to find that internal space, that inner knowing, that intuition, whatever the mm. language that resonates for each of us listening is, to find that within. Um, I think a lot of us, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, look throughout this this whole podcast really and throughout this whole masterclass a lot of us look outside of ourselves in many different ways for many different reasons though i love that point jenna of finding that home within so awakening right is a death in a sort a death of the conditioned way we were living with the goal being to return home and for many of us to maybe cultivate begin to cultivate that inner home within
1: And speaking of awakenings, I am in the preface. I'm going to read a quote right from the preface of the book. I'm a living testament to this truth. Awakenings are not mystical experiences that are reserved only for monks, mystics, and poets. They are not for spiritual people. They are for each and every one of us who wants to change, who aches to heal, to thrive, to shine. Yeah, so I'll I'll be the first to admit this concept of awakening, probably why I
0: never used that that term, um, why I never heard really or resonated with this idea of darkness of the soul for myself, is because I very much, my past self is very much that science-focused skeptic. I would have ran screaming from anything that was, you know, religious sounding, including spirituality. Um, For a lot of us, we do group those two terms or those two concepts together, religion with spirituality, and I know I did, at least. And as long as I can remember, like I said, I ran from anything religious-based. My dad could not get me in a church every Sunday as much as he attempted to. And like I said, anything that was connected with any of those ideas, I, like many of us even to this day, believed was woo-woo. So very similarly, I sought answers from other places, from external means, from things outside of myself, namely in science. Becoming a clinical psychologist very much outside of being a practitioner in the room, we very much learn how to praise the God of science, how to understand science. So flash forward in time, as I entered my 30s, I looked consistently outside of myself for answers, whether it was in the latest Um, academic study, or in my friends, outsourcing, asking everyone else what they would do, what they would think, how they would feel. Um, I had very much a bunch of limiting beliefs wrapped up in my identity, things I imagined myself capable of, often backed in science or so I thought, and many things that I imagined myself incapable of. So this concept of awakenings, I very much did reserve that for mystics and monks Mm -hmm. and people that weren't me. I never imagined that spirituality or that reconnecting with this deeper sense of knowing would have been part of my journey. Because like I said, I very much outsourced. I never looked within. I looked outside to, to solve my problems, to feel better, um, to figure out what I'm supposed to do in life pretty much for anything and everything. So I start the book, the preface you know, offers. And I actually, I've been watching a lot of the tags on Instagram and I see this paragraph come up a lot. Um, And I think it's because a lot of the readers out there, maybe many of you listening, are resonating with this, are beginning to allow in the possibility that this concept of awakening and all of this woo-woo crap maybe is part of the human journey. Maybe it is reserved for all of us. And maybe there is a death and a rebirth um, that can allow us all to access, again, that inner knowing, that inner wisdom that I believe is inside of each of us.
1: I thank you for sharing that. And this really is a broader, practical, really down-to-earth way of saying that we are all collectively awakening. I know you touch a lot on this conversation about woo-woo or spirituality and God, and everyone has a different relationship and context to that. And I think what, too, is so valuable in hearing your story, which I've heard before and hearing it again just now, is the difference in, I mean, to be sitting side-by-side here now and also to have gone on such different journeys where... For me, it was it was always a spiritual path and a spiritual pull somehow all throughout childhood that just sort of guided me. I always did horrible in school, did a very different path than you. <laughs> and even to all of the adults around me was always told, you know, you've been on a very spiritual path since I've known you. And there was always for me really a stronger pull that that I do think is why myself and my brothers through, you know, just our lives and growing up are still here and did survive and have gotten to this completely created place. Yes. For me personally, and I know for my brothers, I see where we are now and there really was, I see it amongst them too. There was an inner knowing or an inner pull that there's no other way for me to describe it than to something greater, something greater that we're talking about here with that spirituality and that awakening. So For me, during my dark night of the soul or that moment when I collapsed my knees and started praying, of all things, when I'm not religious, I didn't – I grew up going to church but had no – no connection or connotation really to any sort of religion or prayer. There just was, however, like a firework that bursted open where there, uh, to me, I called it immediately an awakening. And there was some kind of knowing. So it's, I think too, for everyone listening or if you're watching, uh, if you can start to see yourselves in Nicole and I are very polar opposite journeys that got to this place where for me, it was a guidance and a spirituality and awakening that led me to this place now. And for Nicole, it was more of that new kind of, you know, getting language later for, oh, this is an awakening. I'm not going crazy. This isn't (laughs) some crazy thing. I really am breaking open. It's something much deeper. Yeah. And and I think we are all different, differently connected to that, that
0: deeper knowingness. Um, You know, there are moments where intuitively becoming a psychologist, I can connect to Having that information or that knowing come from a deeper place, though, my general tendency, like I said, was not to to look within for my answers. Though in retrospect, looking back, there were many moments where I was following some inner guide um, that I was attuned to. So what is an awakening? Just so we can all have a a global definition that we're using. Um, Awakening, again, is a waking up. We're waking up to our conditioned way of being or that autopilot that so many of us are living in. And it's a a process of witnessing and reconnecting with the authentic needs of the self. Remembering that we are an interconnected being. We have physical needs we have emotional needs, and we have spiritual needs, the needs to self-express, to be who we are in the world, to to share our passions, um, our our us-ness, our essence, if you will, with the world. So that's what an awakening is. It looks different. The journey to the dark night of the soul looks different for each of us. For many of us, it is experienced as a type of death so that we can be reborn. And when we're reborn, we're embracing a new way of living, a conscious way where we can view, again, for many of us, the habits and patterns that are no longer serving us, witness them and begin to empower ourselves to choice, to creating new choices where we can acknowledge the needs that for some of us have gone a lifetime, unmet or ignored or repressed
1: entirely. Uh, you just beautifully encapsulated the subtitle of the book, which is "How to Do the Work: Recognize Your Patterns, Heal from Your Past, and Create Yourself." Um, as you were speaking, I just had a vision of that cover of the book, and really, it is those three mm-hmm. three steps: we recognize first, we heal, and and we create, which takes us to a, another paragraph in the preface that I want to read. This paragraph says. As my body began to heal, I began to question so many other truths that I had once felt were self-evident. I learned new ways of thinking about mental wellness. I realized that a disconnect among mind, body, and soul can manifest as sickness and dysregulation. That was the biggest um, awareness that I had, Jenna,
0: which was that many of the cycles that I was living physically and emotionally weren't actually part of my genetics, weren't actually part of my personality, but they were actually the result of deep-rooted imbalances um, for me specifically around my nervous system. Um, For probably, but from the time I was in my mom's belly in utero, um, living, you know, again, being born to a mother who herself had a lot of anxiety, a lot of nervous system dysregulation, as long as I can remember, I believe that was the cause of many of the symptoms that I thought were just part of who I was. Um, for me, that meant chronic brain fog. Some of you might have heard this concept. Um, to describe it simply, it feels like there's a kind of a sheet or a film over your brain where your your thoughts feel muddled, um, don't really feel sharp. Um, cognitively, you feel kind of slow, blunted, dulled. Um, for me, I had inabilities to focus. It it was a really hard time for me to, to honestly get through a television show, even full, put my full attention, let alone a movie for a very long while. I was a self-professed, I did not like movies. Um, for me, it was attentional, really hard time maintaining attention. Um, and I also had memory issues outside of having a very limited memory around my childhood in general. I had a hard time remembering what I did last week. I would be out with friends who were, you know, remember the time last couple months ago when we were here? And I might as well, you know, blank, blank face, little to no memory. Um, I had sleep and wake issues. I never slept. I would be up tossing and turning, racing thoughts, um, feeling a lot of anxiety into the night. Mornings were my nightmare. Um, Throughout high school, I was at war with my father, who seemingly liked mornings. I hated mornings, I could never feel like I had energy, I could never really wake up in the morning. I had digestive issues for as long as I can remember. Extreme constipation, um, extreme inflammation throughout my body. And again, these were just moments where I assumed genetic causes for each of these things. I saw a lot of evidence in those same symptoms in my family, none of us slept, we were always worried about something, digestive issues abound in my household. So again, I made no other sense of it outside of hmm, these. Are, this is what was meant to be in my life. These are my genetics. All of this is controlled by things outside of my control. The biggest thing that I talk about that I now understand is a function of my nervous system was my complete dissociation. That memory issue that I was just describing was a result of me never really feeling present, um, never really feeling connected to those around me, um, never really feeling too much feelings outside of stress. Um, And again, I now understand each of those symptoms that I described, I'm sure there was other symptoms wrapped up in there that I'm not describing in this moment. All of those go back to, now I know, a dysregulated nervous system. And again, cycling in that state of dysregulation for so long, my body began to show it in all of those symptoms. Overall, um, the the label that I continue to apply to myself throughout childhood and and really up until I began my healing journey that I think sums up all of this different dysregulation and the symptoms that I was just describing was anxious. For a very long time, I just thought I was an anxious human uh, who also had the gift of suffering panic attacks. Also symptoms, again, of a dysregulated nervous nervous system, those racing thoughts, that feeling of always being on edge. And then, of course, those of us who have had panic attacks, feeling like we're literally having a heart attack. All of this, again, are, are signs that our nervous system is in a state of dysregulation or is in an activated state. For me, my anxiety was as long as I can remember. I was this, the little girl, like I described earlier, scared of everything, bumps in the night, and I experienced that in my way of being. Again, I thought this was anxiety that was genetically you know, part of my constitution, part of my lived experience, because again, I saw that same habit and patterns, the same symptomology in my family, considering my mom to be very anxious. Um, so again, I saw so much overlap and I had no other reason to, to imagine that I would have any other experience in life outside of the same ones that I saw being cycled through my family. So for me, it was anxious. Um, again, it was the constriction in, in my digestive. It was sleep issues. It was brain fog. And again, diving down, understanding the cause of it really bega- opened up a door to wellness. So for me, um, this dysregulation really led to symptoms of anxiety, to physical symptoms of the brain fog, of sleep issues, of digestion, digestive issues. I'd love for you, Jenna, to share with the audience a bit about what your dysregulation looked and felt like for you.
1: Thanks, Nicole. I have, have definitely some similarities in yours. Um, my... For me, dysregulation primarily manifested itself as anxiety and depression, which I know just given talking to the collective, to friends and family, to you, we see that that is so rampant. And most people, if you are listening, anxiety and depression, if it's not related to you, I think maybe someone in your sphere or circle, this conversation has come up. And I know for me, that was sort of the epicenter of everything of, well, you're anxious. Um, And all growing up, I see was kind of an expectation of well you are going to have anxiety and depression based on if i look at my mom or both of my parents and my siblings and their families the stress and trauma that was happening would definitely induce that kind of anxiety and then spiral into depression and there were years in childhood that we spent you know quite literally leaving hiding out in hotels running from one parent or the other in an effort to to keep us safe or to hide so there's a lot of fear that then I saw you know that fear in my mother rightfully so mm-hmm. would then manifest into intense anxiety, which would then manifest itself into a deeper depression if she's looking out for her kids, we need to survive and it really came down to a survival basis mm-hmm. where quite literally the most important thing and needs to be met as a child were food, water, and shelter, and when those at times weren't met, there was a greater anxiety and panic that would start to manifest as just being normal. Mm -hmm. And in later years, I think as I grew up around like a normal society, normal neighborhood, you'd never know what was actually going on. I think that then also started to, to dysregulate even more. What was happening internally was not aligning to what appeared on the outside externally. So you can see where mind, body, soul, without even having that language as a kid, it's all in different places. Nothing quite, quite seemed to be aligned. And as an adult, I, you know, I would have extremely dark thoughts, be in a really dark place. I in high school I, I was self-harming for a few years. I was I was internally struggling very, very deeply in for what felt like years and was years of a really dark fog and depression and you know, going to speak to someone or going to a doctor would immediately just get a prescription for anti-anxiety or antidepressants and something to help balance out the chemical imbalance in my system. And nothing would really change. Things would actually just continue to worsen. And it wasn't really until I took that trip back home to New York. I'd been on my own journey for years doing a lot of work, but continued to run away from that 17-year-old girl ultimately who was at the The high point of all of the trauma of her life. And instead of healing those wounds, I just let them all kind of scar over. Mm -hmm. So that trip back to New York that I referenced earlier really was a ripping open of all those wounds and getting, I envision it as an actual trench where I quite literally ripped the top layer open and dove way down into the trenches, kind of like I'm digging out from a ditch and just went from the bottom up to begin to regulate, to bring my mind, body, and soul into alignment. And that That was made available to me through that breaking point of that dark night of the soul. So really for me, that dysregulation um, of my mind, body, and soul really manifested itself as extreme anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. What you're explaining, and thank you, Jenna, for
0: sharing all of those aspects of your past with us, Um, you're highlighting A couple things that are, I think are incredibly important, which was, you know, for a lot of us, the symptoms that we're having, the anxiety or depression do map onto the things happening in our life, Mm -hmm. right? You living a very chaotic home environment where your basic needs were barely met or it was unpredictable whether or not they would be understandable, right? That then you might see anxiety or see this depression in a child. Similarly for me. Um, back when I, was, when I was very young, when I, my sister had a lot of chronic health issues, uh, my mom also has a history of chronic health issues. So very early on in life, there was stuff going on, mm-hmm. stuff to be worried about. So again, understandable to have anxiety in the home. And I think for a lot of us, that becomes the case. However, what then happens is we adapt. Like you said, I learned how to present just like I did, an outward shell that Mm -hmm. didn't reflect all of this internal world, all of this for either of us, dysregulation that we were living within. We become adaptive. Um, So I just want to point out those two things very similarly. When as I approached my 30s and I started to feel, again, the symptomology, the physical uh, symptoms for me beginning to my memory still begin being an issue, um, sleep still being an issue, everything kind of accumulating over time. Yet I had another story. I'm 30. This is what adult life looks mm-hmm. like. As I talked to my friends around me who wasn't waiting for the weekend, who really liked their jobs, again, all of my external relationships reflect it. Um, again, these adaptations that most of us were living disconnected from ourselves. So I just like to, to, to speak about that because the symptoms that we're experiencing way back when came from something, Mm -hmm. came from a very real environment where it made sense. However, we become, we begin to live from that autopilot. We begin to live from that state of dysregulation um, and we never really evolve out of it. So in a very real way, our past follows us Mm -hmm. um, with with us, follows ourselves into adulthood. And that could be down to how our physical body functions. We're still living those habits and patterns that began again for many of us in environments that we might be physically distant from. Mm -hmm. Some of us have moved across the country from this quote unquote home space yet we're carrying our conditioned patterns with us.
1: I think that's important to remember too when we're talking about the dark night of the soul or this awakening. Like you're saying, those symptoms and patterns from the past, you very much are still living. And for a, a lot, you know, during... During childhood or teenage years, when all of that trauma was being created and then manifesting itself, that became normal. So those symptoms that you grow up with or like in your childhood that then carry into adulthood do become normal. That anxiety, that depression, that gut issues, that sleeplessness, that all becomes your normal. And I think when we're speaking about an awakening here, the dark night of the soul, that's kind of when this your higher self or this higher power source, whatever you want to call it, sort of converges with you finally realizing and waking up to the fact that that's actually not your normal. Mm -hmm. That's what you grew up with. That's what you were conditioned to. It's what you saw as normal to you. And there really is a greater internal awakening or breaking open where you start to realize that that's actually not in alignment. Your true self isn't meant to be suffering from anxiety or depression or sleeplessness or all these feelings and panic attacks. And your, your body itself, your actual physical body and physical shell, also, start to wake up and to see and realize, hey, something's out of alignment here. Something's not right. And that's kind of like that feeling when I was, you know, falling to my knees and praying. It did feel like an actual physical death internally. And when I say physical, I mean like inside my cells. My actual physical body did feel like it was shriveling up in a lot of ways and dying because it was meeting itself for the first time in a very unknown place.
0: Yeah, such such a beautiful, a beautiful way to describe it. Um, and so wellness is possible. I love that you're kind of highlighting that. Um, even if you are someone listening and you are living from this very conditioned self, um, you are very much experiencing the physical and the emotional symptoms of this way of being. I, I'm here to speak to you, as as Jenna just did, that that, that isn't. Um, you know, your destiny in so many ways, Um, that there is wellness available to each and every one of us, that there is a way to create actual change in our life, to begin to stop living from those habits and patterns and create choice. Um, And what happened for me, as i became aware of how much i was living from that unconscious space Um, and as we dive further into the master class in future chapters we'll be talking all about consciousness but for me becoming conscious to how dysregulated how disconnected i was was the foundational uh, Mm -hmm. step toward healing as i became connected to my physical body i gave myself the opportunity to regulate that body, to practice nervous system tools for me through breath work so that my physical body would... Kind of snap back from that state of constant activation constant fight or flight back into a peaceful um, restive state where actual healing can happen Um, for me that meant after living a lifetime like i said earlier of these symptoms i finally gained control of where my attention went i wasn't just sucked up into the endless dialogue in my mind for me the endless thoughts of things to worry about I actually could choose where I put my attention. And as I began to choose to put my attention more and more in my physical body, I was able to see those different states of dysregulation. And I was able over time to cultivate safety in my body. And why we talk about safety around the nervous system is when we feel threatened, our nervous system does become activated. And all of this happens outside of our awareness. Again, topics we're gonna dive into in future chapters. Though when we're not safe, all of these symptoms are a result of our nervous system. So safety, cultivating safety in the present moment is so incredibly important. And as I became more and more conscious, more and more embodied, more and more safe in my body, that brain fog, I had access to energy. My thoughts became sharper. Um, I began to sleep. I was actually able to fall into that restive state and feel Mm -hmm. safe enough to go to bed at night, to get quality sleep, where in the mornings, over time, of course, didn't happen overnight. I didn't become joyous in mornings. Over time, though, I had more energy available to me, not only in the morning, throughout the day. Again, that general state of disconnection where I always felt detached from life began to fade a little bit. I began to be more attached, more connected to how my physical body was responding to the given moment. Um, and again, being a, gave myself the opportunity to create choice, to create what I intentionally want to do in this moment, as opposed to always relying again on those habits and patterns stored in my subconscious. Now, of course, none of these changes came overnight. Um, i didn't snap my fingers learn about you know health and healing and consciousness and breathwork and everything that i'm sharing with you now and begin to implement them though i did gradually are we don't actually i talk about this often we don't actually like to change as humans and there's incredible value in creating change through slow steady as i call it small daily promises um, for those of us that have tried to change by doing five new things tomorrow we've met resistance, the pull toward the familiar, the difficulty that all of us have as humans to actually create and maintain change. So great change is possible. Great transformation can happen, though we have to begin to, again, make conscious new choices each and every day.
1: Nicole, one of the most important things that I hear you emphasizing here is that there truly are no quick fixes in our healing journey. And you'll hear us in our teachings, you'll hear it in our membership in the circle. We repeat over and over and over again that really it is one small daily promise, one small daily commitment to yourself. That commitment over time is what's going to lead you to change and then to truly Longer transformation and self transformation. I am a very visual person, as you'll learn throughout this podcast. So, for me, I very much visualize this as going to the gym. You know, if you haven't been to the gym ever, or in weeks or months, maybe even days, you're not going to go in and lift the heaviest set of weights or the heaviest dumbbell. I wouldn't be able to lift it up off the ground and or I would hurt myself or trip over myself. It's not going to work. If I go to the gym every day and take a smaller weight or just take one weight, and I just start practicing a little bit every day, and then I go back the next day, I do the same thing, you can quite literally picture like your arm, the muscle actually growing. You're gonna start with something small and continually over time, it will build. I know even recently, we've gotten into a great yoga practice together. And it in the beginning, I had been out of, out of working out for what seemed like a little bit, every now I'd try and dip back in, but hadn't had a consistent practice. And push-ups were a bit of a struggle. And now, you know, after some time of just a daily commitment, even 20 minutes or 30 minutes, 15 minutes, if we're pressed for time, Suddenly three or four push push-ups in, it feels smooth as butter, which for me is extremely rewarding from, you know, struggling or shaking the first time that I do one. And again, it's just a visual way to look at that one small daily promise or one small change or commitment to yourself really is something over time that is going to build and lead to lasting transformation. So I just want you guys to keep that in mind as you're listening or as you're watching to we're not talking about making a huge to-do list or list of goals that's great do do that if that works for you but make sure that you're just focusing on one small thing that you can add in every day if you miss a day that's fine we'll pick it up the next day but here we're just talking about one small commitment because there truly are no quick fixes on our journeys
0: i want to honor too all of those uh, all of those of us out there who did write the long laundry list to change um, because for many of us, it comes from discomfort. Right? Mm. It comes from that low. It comes from that rock bottom. It comes from that idea, that belief, and possibly the reality that we can't continue on living in this way, um, that things do need to change. And for many of us, it comes from you know, a depth of discomfort. So I want to honor that. You know, It's very understandable that we have the idea that if we do list five new things to do tomorrow, starting tomorrow that by, you know, in, in a sooner time, will feel better. However, what's important here, like you were describing so beautifully, Jenna, is the consistency of the habit, is going to the gym more consistently than not. It's doing these things each and every day. It's integrating this into our lifestyle. And again, in a future chapter, we're gonna dive into why change is so hard, um, why we do not like to change all at once, Though the, the takeaway here is that as humans it is overwhelming. It's understandable because we do have the belief that if the quicker we can get better, do these new things, the quicker we can get better. Though again, it's not about white knuckling it, it's about integrating these new choices into our daily lifestyle. And as we change, because change is universally difficult for all of us humans, there will be discomfort along the way. There will be new challenges along the way. As we even embrace what you know logically is a direction that we want our future to go in, it will still be difficult. This is a transformative journey, um, the journey of creating wellness, the journey of doing the work, the journey of healing. It quite literally transforms how we show up each and every day. I also know hearing you mention the circle or in general, just our community of self healers. For so many of us, it can be a lonely journey, um, one in which we need support. As humans, we are interpersonal creatures. We need relationships. I'm Mm -hmm. so grateful for you and everyone else that I now have in my life. Um, that are safe people, that allow me to express my authentic self. And I know at the beginning of my journey, at least, I didn't have this community. I didn't have these people in my life. I was, you know, shifting out of older relationships that were no longer serving me and creating change and looking for people um, with whom I could feel safe in expressing my authentic self. So for me, this concept of the self healers community, which is now a movement, if you ask me, Um, from beginning from that access point, obviously up through the circle, which we now run together, it it, for me comes from that space of wanting others to have those safe spaces. So anyone listening, anyone who has the book, anyone who's out there doing the work of healing, I'm here to acknowledge how important relationships are. So whether or not you have those people in in your present life and your personal relationships. Know that they might be available to you virtually. Know that there are community members um, looking for other people to help support their journey. Um, And for many of us, they can be found online. That's how you and I first cross paths together. Um, So just know that, again, we heal in community. Um, anyone who's embarking on this journey, you know, finding those safe people to go to for support or for accountability or for whatever it is for self expression is going to be an integral part of anyone's healing journey as far as I see it.
1: It's truly beautiful to hear you speak about this community and also to remind ourselves as you know a lot of you who are who are listening who are watching maybe are meeting yourselves for the first time or don't even yet know the person that you truly are or that you you really are becoming because you do have this identity that you've come from and you're starting to to learn the patterns and conditionings that have created that and as it starts to break away it can be scary it can be it's very new to one not not know yourself yourself mm-hmm. and then to not have others know you either so also know when we're talking about this community of self-healers that you are also you're in a space where we are all meeting ourselves together. I know um Nicole and I aren't sitting up here as gurus on the other side of a path um, or on the other side of a wall that you're not on. We're actually side by side truly on the journey with you. I know this the tools in this book are tools that we use also on a daily brace a daily basis. So you're watching our journeys unfold along with you, and we're doing that very transparently with the community as we understand that that newness or almost that fear, that scariness of not knowing, not knowing who you are, and not truly yet understanding or grasping, yet that you really truly are your own best healer, Uh, which really sets us up into our uh, episode for next week where we will be diving into chapter one, which happens to be titled, You Are Your Own Best Healer, which is literally a paradigm shifting belief that The power to heal yourself comes from you. It does not come from an external person sitting in front of you or lecturing you or sitting in a therapy room with you. There are supplements and tools along the way to help you on your journey. And ultimately, you are your own best healer.
0: I couldn't agree more. Um, Our goal here, like we've been talking about throughout this episode, is to inspire, to empower each of you to first get curious. Um, to speak to your point you you might not yet know who this real authentic self is Um, you might be unsure maybe you're living in alignment maybe you're not curiosity for many of us is is our first step in this journey and as you become curious you know you can meet um, all that is within knowing that there are answers there Um, that no two people's healing journeys are exactly alike so to speak to your point our goal is to empower each and every one of you out there listening um, to share your story, to find the tools that resonate and to begin to create change and transformation in each of your lives. And this masterclass, I'm super excited to keep diving in chapter by chapter with all of you um, because in, within this book are the tools, in our opinion, to begin to create a future that you can consciously choose for yourselves.
1: Thank you all for joining us on our first episode for the Self Healers Soundboard. We have kicked off our new podcast or are kicking off our new podcast with a 14-part masterclass. What you've just heard today is episode one, preface for how to do the work. Next week, we will be diving into chapter one, you are your own best healer. If you are following along with us at home with your book, amazing. If you do not yet have the book or would like the book, It is available for purchase at all international book retailers. Those of you who are interested in following along
0: with us on Instagram can come find us each and every day at the.holistic.psychologist. And for you YouTubers out there, we also have a YouTube channel. You can give a search at The Holistic Psychologist.